Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Uh, just a couple of things with those announcements. Uh, just on the, the French Peace Course, it's, uh, it's by Dave Ramsey, if you've ever heard that name. And if you, if you haven't been from Canada, you may not have heard that name. He's, he's an American guy. It's an excellent course. And so if, if finances uh, have been an issue uh, in your life, it is well worth the investment of taking this. It's not just material for that nine weeks, but it's a, all this material you take away with you from it. There's a whole online component. It's not just... You know, we're not, charging, we're not charging that money for us. It's actually, that's the cost of the curriculum for the course per person. So it, uh, it you know, again, if that's an area that you're wanting to grow in, it's an excellent course. And the men's rally. Now, I know we just turned off the lights, but if you are a man in the room, if you are over 18, put up your hand, wave it around. Put up your hand. Yeah, there's a bunch of us in the room. Okay, so there's not, hasn't been a lot of registration. I just want to just give you, and I've had a few people like, what's a rally? You know, and so before we were doing some men's breakfast on a monthly basis, we're, this will actually be the only men's event between now and this is the last men's event of 2019. There won't be another one until 2020. And so this is going to be, here's what's going to be happening when we get together. We're going to be playing some sports together. Now, if you're not sporty, this isn't about your skill. It's about us having fun together. The reason that there's a cost to this is we want to have a really nice dinner together. You know, so we're going to do some sports together. We are going to have dinner together. And then we're just going to spend some time in the word and being envisioned for the rest of this year and what God has for us for 2020. So, you don't want to miss out on this. Wives, you want to be like, hey, you know, husband, go. You know, go to this. Free you up. Go to this thing. You will be blessed as a wife by your husband being there. You know? And so if they're like, oh, I don't know, say, hey, go. <laughs> you know? So the thing is, for us to have a nice dinner, I need to know how many people are coming. You know, because I need to order the food beforehand. That's all got to be taken care of beforehand. I can't have you show up at the door, go, here's my money, here we go. So, and I need to know all that by Wednesday this week. Now, you can register online still, you know, but uh, if you want to let Mohit know today or Sunet, actually, I'm going to just, is it okay if people, where'd Mohit go? Is it okay if people let you know, just so it's not confusing? Perfect. So if you let Mohit know today that you are going to be coming, if you want to pay him cash, you don't want to do it online, you can pay him cash, you know, and uh, we, that way we know who is, who is coming to the event. If you, if you don't have cash today and you don't want to do it online, you want to pay at the door, that's fine. We just need your name. We need to know that you're going to be coming so that we order the food. We know how many people are going to be there. You know, if there's friends of yours that are not here today, say to them, hey, have you, are you coming? Make sure you're there. It's going to be a fun time for us together. They're not going to be intense sports, don't worry, you know, but it'll just be an opportunity for us to uh, just have, a, have some fun, have some food, and, and just be envisioned for, for the, our future, okay? So, we have been in this series I'm loving called Free and Responsible, and it's part of our core values, you know, one of them being that we are a free and responsible people. Christ has set us free, but that comes with responsibility, and so we've covered over these last couple of weeks uh, two points. We're going into a third one today. We've talked about the fact that what Christ did for us at the cross, that he died to set us free from sin and death and fear and shame in order to establish in us freedom so that we can live and love as God's glorious children. 
You know, just the glory of what Jesus did on the cross and who we are as his children. We've talked about these last couple of weeks. We've also talked about the fact that because we are free, it's very personal. Our freedom is personal, but it's not self-centered. We've been given freedom so that we may present ourselves to the Lord as a willing sacrifice, surrendered and ready to serve. Just to remind us of Scripture on that, we've looked at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I've added verse 3 on for us today. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And three, for by grace, for the, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but think of yourself rather with sober judgment in accordance with the faith of God that God has distributed to each of you. Which leads us into our point for today. And I'm going to ask, just if we put on not these front satellites, but one more satellite, just so that people want to read their Bible, it's really tough to do that in the dark. We went a little too dark for this morning. So if someone just wants to grab one more set of lights for us today. So the, the point that we are, we're talking about today is the fact that freedom and responsibility are inseparable. We experience true freedom as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of self-control and use our freedom to bless others. Like we've talked about for the last couple of weeks, right, and, and emphasized, you know, we, have the, we walk this narrow path of Jesus. Everything we do is focused on Jesus. We're no longer under the law, and we are not under licentiousness. We are under Christ. He is our head. He is our authority. He is our reign. We are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's grace is there for us, not only to forgive us from our sins, but to be a transforming power in our lives so that we actually live out the very things that we could not live out under the law. You know, it's not that, oh, well, we now live whichever way we want to. The law was good and righteous in that, you know, it was a tutor teaching us in how we live. We just no longer live under this thing of, oh my goodness, if we disobey, if we get something wrong, then we are, we are in, you know, going to hell or we're cut off from God. What Jesus did, he was the perfect sacrifice for everything. Our faith is not on obedience and our faith is not on, oh wow, I can do whatever I want. Our faith is in our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords, his blood poured out for each and every one of us. We've been washed clean, and we're going to look at Scripture today. And I'm going to start off with Galatians, verses 5. There's a big chunk of Scripture we're going to look at here, you know, in the book of Galatians. You know, in Galatians 5, verses 13 to 25 that we're going to look at. Paul writes, and he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Amazing, right? Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Again, remembering what Jesus taught us. What are the greatest commands? They are to love God with all your heart, mind, and spirit. And he says, if you love me, you will obey my teaching. You obey the teaching of Jesus. If we love God, we will obey the teaching of Jesus. 
And out of that, we will love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Three things. Our love for God, which results in obedience to the teaching of Jesus, results in an understanding of our identity and our love for ourselves, and then a true ability to love others. We can't love others if we don't know who we are. If we don't understand the freedom we have, if we don't understand the forgiveness that we've received, if we don't understand the power of the grace and the gift of that over our own lives, if we don't understand the identity that God has given us, then we can't love people this way. But when we understand freedom, when we understand that freedom is not there for us to live self-centered, self-indulgent lives, but that it's there so that we can serve one another humbly in love, man, it's amazing. You know, then we're able to do what we've been talking about for these last few weeks, that we, this 3%, this remnant of the church that know Jesus and follow Jesus will start to be the salt and the light that transforms society that we will start to make disciples because we recognize we haven't been saved so that we can live a good life for ourselves. Paul lived an abundant life, right? The one who wrote it about an abundant life did it from prison, right? He did it while being shipwrecked, while being beaten, while living in poverty. And he wrote about an abundant life. As Christians, we cannot define the abundant life by the world's standards. Our standards are completely different than that of the world. Does it mean if you have stuff, that's a problem? If you're wealthy, is that a problem? No, it's not, unless your trust is in your wealth. You know, if, are you poor? Is it a problem? You know, it's not a problem as long as your identity isn't in poverty. You know, we're not meant to be poor and we're not meant to be rich. We're meant to be followers of Jesus. We're meant to not compare ourselves to one another. You know? It's an incredible thing. We're having a conversation with, Lee was telling about a conversation he had with Joel, and I won't recap all of it. But just that thing of comparison that so goes into our lives. You know, and and that amazing thing that Jesus, in the book of John, where he's talking to Peter, right? And he's telling Peter, hey, you're going to likely die for me one day. And, And Peter's like, well, what about John? He's like, don't concern yourself with John. The reality that that James and Peter could be in prison, James could be killed, and Peter could be set free, both living the abundant life in Christ. Our way of defining things cannot be the world's way of defining things. If you have given your life to Jesus, you've given up the priorities of the world. You've given them up. You cannot walk with your foot in the world in the kingdom. Does that mean you can't be wealthy? Of course you can. I was saying with Lamar at the, at, the, uh, at the youth meeting, I'm like, man, go for it. Be the president of the bank. He's got a job with TD. Aim to be the president of the bank. But do it not compromising at all on who you are in Christ. And if you get fired because of being a Christian, rejoice in that. I don't think I said that to him. But I'm going to say that, Right? Aim to be excellent. Aim for excellence in everything that you do. But at the moment what you're doing is more important than your relationship with God, at the moment you're willing to hide or deny your faith, you just adapted to the world. You just adapted to the world. You were called to be free. 
You're not into the yoke of slavery in any way. Serve one another humbly in love. Galatians 5, 14, it says, For the entire law, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. It then says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Again, just a simple command. Do we live in love with one another? Are we, are, you know, or are we biting and devouring one another? Uh, you know, this is an amazing community where people love one another. It's not a perfect community because it doesn't exist. Things will be perfect. You'll find the perfect church in heaven. It will be in heaven. But these are the standards that we, we, we aim for and we can hold each other accountable to and live by. You know, we, it's not okay for brothers and sisters in Christ to be biting and devouring one another. You know, and it's not... He's obviously using terminology here, right? None of us are cannibals. We're not, you know, biting and devouring by like taking a physical chunk out of our neighbor. But it's, you know, in the gossip of one another, in the attacking of one another, in the, in the unloving of one another. You know, there's a standard we hold ourselves to and that's of Scripture. And it's amazing. I'm going to go to Corinthians in a minute, but just to give you an aside on it, it's like where Paul says to the Corinthian church, right? He's, he, he deals with the fact that, hey, guys, you're celebrating the fact that there's like rampant sexual immorality here, and this is really bad. He's saying to them, you, you need to put this person out of the church, you're, and instead of doing that, you're celebrating it. And then he goes, and you know, even worse, you guys are suing each other in the pagan courts. You're taking each other to court, you know? And, you know, what are you doing? He's like, is there no one among you as Christians that actually has the wisdom to be able to decide a matter between a brother and a sister in Christ? Like, is it that bad? Is that how, is that how bad your walk with God is? He's like, you've already lost. You've already lost. You're making a mockery of God in front of the pagans because what they're seeing is believers who can't get along to the point that they're taking each other to court. And it's this, this different way of us thinking about this freedom and responsibility. He goes to them and says, wouldn't it be better that you would be cheated by one another, that you would be ripped off by one another, than, than you go and do this and dishonor God you know, before, before the pagans? It's nuts. And yet it happens all the time. I'm not saying it happens in this community, it's a, you know, it, but it happens in Christian community all the time. Watch, so, if you have social media, it's in nuts what people do to each other, what Christians do to one another. It's nuts what they do with their websites and their so-called discernment. You know, we bite and devour. We tear, oh, this ministry, I'm going to tear it down. Oh, this ministry, all in the name of discernment, which isn't discernment at all. It's just judgment. It's actually just ungodly behavior, and we celebrate it. And it's not good. It's not good at all. You know, there's, and we do it before the world. It's up on the World Wide Web. It's before the world. There was an incident that happened recently with someone. Doesn't, I'm not going to get into any details with it. But you literally had prominent Christians. You know, this person's been accused of this. And you have all these different prominent Christians putting up videos. You know, all these people that would have huge audiences putting up videos. And like, oh, well, I, you know, this is my opinion about the person. This is my opinion about this person. Finally, someone with some wisdom was like, stop it please take down every one of your videos. Like, please. We need to deal with this as a Christian community, not on, on YouTube before the world. I say this and go, well, you know, how does that relate to me? Well, I don't know. How does it relate to you in terms of how you speak about one another, about your brothers and sisters here? 
Are you a person that someone can come to with gossip? You know, if someone's got a problem with someone, are you the confident? Do you like the idea that people can come and talk to you about different people? If so, you're in sin. If so, you're sinning. The only time you should have someone come and talk to you is then follow up and go, if you talk to me, you're going to have to go and talk to that person. If you don't, I will on your behalf. That's it. That's how we kill gossip in the church. That's how we stop biting and devouring one another in a local level. I'm not saying this because I think anyone's doing it. I really hope none of that's happening. But, you know, let me say it because we are a free and responsible people. We're a free and responsible people. And we've got to use our freedom wisely. Galatians 5 verse 16, it says, So I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with one another, so that you are, will, are, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Incredible, eh? And again, not saying that the, right, you know, that the things taught in the law were bad. It's that we're not living under the law any longer. It was, we're living under the Lordship of Jesus. If the Spirit, if we have the Holy Spirit, if we are being led by the Spirit, then we're living under the Lordship of Christ. Verse 19, you know, Paul gives a, quick, a list. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Just want to be clear, this is not a comprehensive list. You know, it's not that Paul's like, oh, these are the only things that are of the flesh. You can add to that list. It's not, it was a point. He's listing off some behaviors that were going on and saying, look, this stuff, when you live self-centeredly, when you live about your own pleasure, when you live to satisfy the needs of the flesh, these are the things that, that it are, that happen. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this won't inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. These are our goals. And uh, someone else taught me they should be our sniff test. You know? Well, is, is what I'm doing of the Spirit? I don't know. Well, does it produce love? Does it produce joy? Does it pe- produce peace? Does it produce forbearance? Does it produce kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If it doesn't, it's not of the Spirit. It's not of God. That's our test. Is what I'm doing, is what I'm saying, is what I'm teaching, is what thing producing these things in the lives of believers? Is it drawing people to this? Is it drawing people into this relationship of peace? What's my family look like? What do the people around me experience from me? Do they experience, is their experience with me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? If they don't, then there's areas of my life that are not under the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
There's areas of my life that are not. Now, we're, none of us are perfect. My goodness, I'm the least of. But these are my tests. And because they are the tests of the Bible. So I know when I'm off track with God based on these things. Like, okay, you know, something is wrong because I do not have peace. I am not being very loving. I am certainly not being very joyful, you know, or whatever. Those are the, I say that because it's one of the things that I'll battle with. And like, oh, it's a big important test. Where's my joy, joy at? Again, joy does not mean happiness. You know, my joy is not determined by my circumstances. It's not determined by how much is in my bank account or how little I have in my bank account, my house, where I live, where I am, or what's going on in my life. Joy is despite good, whether things are good or bad, I have joy in God. And scripture tells us our strength comes from joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Our houses, they should be the most joyful homes They should be places of joy and peace. Our experience, the people around us in work, in the neighborhood, that's what they should experience from us. Like, man. And then it goes on, it says, against such things there is no law. It doesn't need to be. Galatians 25, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's it, right? We we are to crucify our flesh. So when it rises up, when I'm not feeling much joy, there's something in me that's got to die. When I'm complaining or judging my brother and sister in Christ, something in me has got to die. Now, again, this is not to say, as Paul teaches, we're not, our job isn't to judge those outside of the church. There's 97% of the people out there in the world and we are not to judge their behavior. That's God's job. Within the church, we can not, we're not to judge an in, in individual in the sense of, well, you are this. But there are times behavior does not line up with Christ. There are times where in love, it tells us in the Bible, Paul writes to us again, believe in Ephesians, that we are to speak truth to one another in love. In love. It's not about me being right. It's not about me like, ha, I'm going to get the last word in. It's not about me like, hey, you know, this is, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tell you how it is. It's love. If I love you, if you, love your, if you love your brothers and sisters around you and you see them in sin, you see them living in a way that is unhelpful to them, that is not, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, even worse is of the, the things of the flesh. In love, we've got to speak to one another. We've got to call people back to the truth and go, hey, this is the truth. The way you're living right now doesn't line up with that. They may receive it, they may not. But we've got to do that because we are, have freedom and responsibility to one another as a community. As I was talking to us about 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and 12, it says, you know, after Paul 
is addressing going, guys, I, you know, not only are you allowing the sexual immorality in your community, but you're going before pagan judges and you are, have these lawsuits against one another. You know, you're, you're worrying about who's ripping you off and all this kind of stuff. And you should just be like, you know what, let me be ripped off. Again, if you know the Gospels, Jesus is like, hey, if your brother wants to take your coat, you know, give it to him. If you want, if you want you to walk two miles, a mile, go two miles with them. Why? Because it's about love. It's not about me and myself. It's not about, it's not about us. We're, we're supposed to be dead to ourselves in Christ. And it, it says, after he says that, he goes, he, he lists off again a bunch of sins. I just, we don't need another list of sins. So he lists off another bunch of sins. You know, and says, like, this is, again, you, you know, you, you, this is, you used to live by the flesh in all these ways. And he's like, and in verse 11, he goes, and that's what some of you were. You used to be doing all these different things, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And in verse 12, he says, I have the right, you know, he, he, he brings up their argument before I go there, right? You. If you've given your life to Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have been washed clean. You have been sanctified and you have been justified. You may not live like it all the time and you never will because you won't be perfect until you get to heaven. But the truth of your identity is one who has been made holy, who's been washed clean, who's been sanctified, who's been justified. You're righteous before God. That's when he looks at you. He goes, you're righteous. You're just not acting like it. Now, but he says to us, act like it. If I am your Lord, you need to line your life up with who you are. If Jesus is your Lord, then our life must line up. If the Holy Spirit is acting in our lives, then by default, it will line up. And so, if, if love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, forbearance, self-control is not your life, then holy, you need to invite the Holy Spirit in to help you, to live from that, to live from that place of peace and that place of love and invite him in because your level of maturity isn't as, as high as you think it is. And that's okay because we're all on this journey. We're all on this journey together. But we have a responsibility to one another. We have a responsibility to this world out there to actually live as followers of Jesus. And over and over in Scripture, it says, this is what a follower looks like. This is what a follower looks like. Not perfect, but constantly going back to and allowing God to work. When we, when we find things in our lives that don't measure up with this, we've got to go back to God and go help. I, you know, I repent. I need, I need to change. And we invite him in and bring change, to bring that change. After he reminds them they're washed clean, Paul brings up an argument that had been circulating within that Corinthian church. And he, and he says to them, look, you're saying, I have the right to do anything. But then Paul says, but not everything is beneficial. And then... He brings up the fact that they're going, well, I have the right to do anything. And then he says, but don't be mastered by anything. 
Our, our freedom isn't a right to live whichever way we please. Our freedom isn't a, a, uh, a pass that says, do what you want. Our freedom is just that. We've been set free so that we are no longer mastered by sin. That we're no longer in bonds to this world. That we no longer have to fear death. That's why we've been set free. For those purposes, for those reasons. You know, we have been set free by Christ so that we can fully live here and now in kingdom reality. You know, the, the, as, as I've quoted many times and is a thing of the culture that we want to establish here, on earth as it is in heaven. You know, that we can live on earth as it is in heaven. But it is foolish for us to pursue spiritual gifts and not pursue character. You know, we, it's not about, you know, we, if we're prophesying and then, and then not living from the Spirit, we're deceived. You know, if we're like, oh, I'm going to go heal all these different people, but we're not living from the Spirit, we're deceived. Hey, it's good to recognize that all of those things are part of being a believer. Healing, prophecy, hearing from God, you know, miracles, signs and wonders. All of that is about us being believers in Jesus. The incredible thing is, is the people that God worked the most of this stuff through, they got it. They understood what it was to follow Jesus. They understood it meant suffering. They understood it meant living opposite of the ways of the world. They understood that it wasn't about them pursuing their own personal agendas. It was about total surrender to God. And as a result, those things happened through their lives. They happened through their lives. They didn't go and try to, it wasn't they pursued miracles, they pursued Jesus. Yeah. Someone's clapping and it is a worthwhile thing to clap for, for him. Right? We pursue Jesus. We don't pursue miracles, we don't pursue prophecy, we don't pursue, we don't pursue healing, or we don't pursue our own agendas or our own success. We pursue Jesus Christ crucified. A stumbling block. Yeah. A stumbling block to the proud. You know? Foolishness to the wise. To those who consider themselves wise, following Jesus seems foolish. Laying your life down. I love the story. I've told it before. Theolo uh, 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 well, yeah, theologian. His name was, oh my goodness, Henry Nouwen. Head of the, the Catholic Theology Division of Harvard University and gives all that up to work with, in a group home in Toronto with a group of intellectually disabled people. And people are like, you're an idiot. You're throwing your career away. And he's like, I learn more from them about God than anything else. Yeah? And, yeah. We are free. He was free. To make it, you have to be free to make a decision like that. You know, he was free. I mean, I don't need the prestige of this thing. I don't need the prestige of this position. I don't need the applause of men. I do not need, I don't need some thing up there. I just need Jesus. I just need Jesus. And it's so key in our community. You know, this is one of the things. It's something that, that I've just been, you know, paying attention to and God just being, being speaking to me personally about is like, 
James, don't try to be anyone other than who I've made you to be. And it's so easy. You know, even in Christian circles, there's lots of like celebrity culture that comes into the church. You know, and I mean celebrity culture in a Christian sense. It's like, oh, well, this well name, this name, this name. And it's, the, it's nothing bad about those things. It's nothing bad about those names and some wonderful teaching. But we can fall into the trap of believing that we need to be well known. You know, after their death, these people were well, you know, the writers of the Bible, I don't know how well they were known outside of the church in their time. And the church was pretty small. We're not pursuing fame. We should never pursue our own ministry. It's not about us having a ministry. You know? It's not what we're called to be. We're called to be followers of Jesus. We're not to pursue a gift. We're not to pursue a ministry. We're not to pursue, like, you know, how is God going to use me? We're to pursue living quiet, humble lives and let God pick us out of that and use us. That's what we're to pursue. One, oh, it's 12.03. I'll just read this one from 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed it is coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Isn't that amazing? When we live in ignorance, we keep conforming to the ways of the world. Because we don't, like, when you taste and see the goodness of God, there's nothing that can truly satisfy of the world. We just, we live in a culture that really encourages us. And unfortunately, a lot of, of, lot of North American, if not Western church culture, really encourages people to live both in the world and try to follow Jesus. And we'll never taste and see that the Lord is good as we do that. If we're trying to find our satisfaction in the things that the world does, whether that be fame, whether that be being well-known, whether that be finance, whether that be you know, you name it, pleasure, self-centeredness, we will never be satisfied. And Jesus will always taste bitter. He's, it's not going, we'll taste and we will find him bitter. If we find, it's the same on, on the one side with the world, it's also the other side if we find, trying to find our identity in our righteousness. And there's so many, there's so many Christians out there. And I mean, it's a common thing where, where people are actually like encouraging people to, to really, it's like, you know, there's this self-righteous, oh, look at how obedient I am. Whether that's obedient to the law or like whatever. You know, and it's just, that's just, that's again, that's just self-centered. We, we can't do anything without Jesus and he's got to be our pursuit. One last quote, we'll skip that scripture if we, from 2 Peter. I love this. So Dallas Willard, who I'm quoting, is a, he's passed away now. He's gone on to glory. He was a philosopher. He was ordained minister who became a university philosopher and who wrote extensively on spiritual formation. Incredible stuff. You know, one of those, one of those 
I, I say theologian, but that wasn't. His specialty wasn't theology, it was actually philosophy. But he truly understood a relationship with Jesus. If you get hold of any of his books, they're worthwhile. And this quote is that disciples are those who have been so ravished with Christ that others want to be like them. Others look at those disciples' life in the kingdom of God and they say, this is the best thing I ever saw in my life. I must have it. Have you been ravished by Christ in that way? I haven't. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I read that. That's what I want. You know, I, I don't want to settle for anything less. And that's not me going, okay, so Lord, come zap me and then I can live like that. Right? It's not another touch from God that we need. It's not the right person to come and lay hands on us. It's not someone else's anointing that we need. We need surrender. We need to surrender to Jesus, to lay down our pride, to lay down our worldly desires, to lay down our flesh and go, you know what? The only thing that matters, Jesus, is you. The only thing that matters is you. And I want to live for you. And I want to live in a place of joy, peace, patience, love, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want to live in that place. I want that to the, me, the place I live from the majority of time, regardless of what's going on around me. That is something the world will look to and go, there is something seriously different about those people. There is something seriously different about those people. They've been marked by God. They've been marked by God. I'm going to hand over to Mo in a second. I'm just going to pray. And just say, Lord, we want to be responsible with what you've done for us, Lord Jesus. And most importantly, we want to take responsibility for our relationship with you. We want to to crucify our flesh, our self-centeredness, our desire for anything other than you, Lord Jesus. We want to be satisfied on what you give us and then allow you to pour out into our lives that which is even better than what we could imagine. And it may not look like what we, we would think or what we would want in our, in our own fleshly ways. May the homes of every person in this community be marked by the fruits of the Spirit. May the lives of every person in this community be marked by the fruits of the Spirit. And as we seek to disciple others, as as we're learning to be disciples of you and then learning to disciple others over this next year, God, may, may the fruits of the Spirit be at the forefront of what is produced in our lives. May we actually produce the fruits of the Spirit. I I simply finish with this one important thought that sums up everything I just said. The only mark of you being a follower of Jesus, the only fruit of that, he does, Paul doesn't say it's miracles. He doesn't say it's healing. He doesn't say it's prophecy. He doesn't say it's knowledge. It doesn't say it's wisdom. It's the fruits of the Spirit. If we are the oaks of righteousness that Scripture calls us to be, if we are the followers of Jesus, if we are mature Christians, 
then the fruits of the Spirit is what will be produced in our lives. Amen. Mohit. Amazing. And I believe this week is going to be incredible as the Word speaks to you. I just want to encourage each one of us and all of us to stay connected. And there are ways to do that, to join a life group, to just ask somebody for a coffee out, pray and be alongside with them. So have a wonderful week. I've got two things to say. Uh, there is a ministry team right in front on the left side. What we believe is that when you bring in a prayer, understanding, and an agreement that is made here, it will be bound on the, uh, uh, in the heaven as well. So please feel free to join the team and to be prayed over for any prayer requests. It's completely private, and they would just love to partner with you. I also want to tell about uh, the kids. Uh, if you have your kids there, before you come for your coffee time, which is open right now and through the service as well, grab your kids and have a wonderful time for interaction. And you can help us to wrap up some chairs. And men, if you want to register, as James said, I'm going to stand here for 10 minutes. <laughs> you can just let me know if you want to join for the uh, wonderful fellowship and we can register you. Have a wonderful week and may God bless you. Amazing.